Andy Bush here, how's it going? Uh, hope you're doing okay. Long time no speak, it's been a few weeks, hasn't it, uh, since we finished Series 3 of Board Game Think. Uh, we thought we'd give you all a summer break. We've had a little bit of a break ourselves as well. Uh, uh, Brian has been camping, decided he didn't like it. Brian went camping once and decided he doesn't like it. I don't know, what, what, what is with that? Surely you need more attempts to go camping to just suddenly decide that that's it, you're going to knock it on the head. He did one camping trip in Wales, I think he did two nights, he's never going again. Eloise has been paddleboarding, all sorts of uh, stuff's been going on. I've been up in the Highlands, lording it up, which has been really cool. A couple of weeks in the Highlands, went to York, went to the Viking, uh, Jorvik Centre uh, in um, York, which is fantastic. It's made me really want to play some Viking games. So I know... Uh, as Pax Viking or something like that is, is just out recently but if you're listening to this now and you can think of any really good Viking games uh, that I need to be playing do get in touch that's what I'm like if I see someone on telly or read something or listen to an audiobook about something about a piece of history or a, an area of culture I'm like straight into like what board games can I play along that particular subject so at the moment I'm bang into Vikings uh, although I have to say I don't know if you've been to the Jorvik Centre before. It's this amazing kind of uh, uh, interactive experience where you sit in these little trucks and go around in slow motion past these uh, animated uh, Viking characters uh, from years gone by. But it's like, a, it's like a mannequin, moving mannequins with moving eyes and stuff like that. Creepy as hell. Because you go quite close to them as well. They're bathed in this really weird, unnatural light. They look really realistic. So it does feel like you're being dipped into this kind of uh, like old medieval kind of village and everything as well. Even the smells to go with it. It's really immersive. But like I was thinking, right, on the way out of it, uh, someone's got to lock up there. Do you know what I mean? Someone's got to lock up the Jorvik Centre at nine o'clock at night. When the last customers have gone, uh, all the staff have said goodbye, one person's there with the keys locking up. That must freak you out if you've got all that lot staring at you, because it looks like they could come alive. In fact, the, the Vikings in it look like they come alive and have a party in the evening. But you're probably wondering to yourself, what's Bush doing here? Series 4, Season 4 hasn't started yet of Board Game Thing. What is he up to? Well, Board Game Thing and the lovely people at Zatu Games have noticed, we have noticed that you guys are travelling around and going on holidays and adventures. And maybe you're not doing abroad stuff at the moment, but there's a lot of staycations going on or people staying within the, within the United Kingdom. Uh, and one thing that I certainly experienced when we were travelling up to the Highlands and everything was, like, what are good games to take on the move with you? Because you're not going to spend uh, four hours setting up Twilight Imperium if you're in an Airbnb in Skegness. Do you know what I mean? So what I'm going to do for you right now, just as a little uh, one-off special episode ahead of uh, Series 4 starting proper in the next couple of weeks, uh, about two weeks into September, myself, Brian and Eloise will be back uh, with some more uh, board gaming hijinks and we can't wait to get going again for the new series, uh, all powered by Zatu Games. What I thought I would do is give you a steer on some good games that you might want to take travelling with you. And right at the top of the list is going to be a game that I've, I've only just started playing recently. Uh, and I've looked at a load of times when I've gone into our local game shop uh, and I've been on Zatu's website. And it's always one of the first things they, they fire at you. And it looks good. It's Splendor. 
Uh, now, if you don't know the name of the game, you probably know the, the front cover of the box of the game because it's this guy with a pair of tweezers and a jewel, a gem type thing, and it's glinting into his face. He's got unbelievable look of concentration on him as well. And I've always wondered, like, what is that game about? Uh, and Splendor is a fantastic kind of set collection game. It doesn't have that many pieces. It's just a load of cards and a load of uh, little cardboard token jewels. But you're matching up these sets of jewels uh, from this kind of offer that you have set out in the middle of the table. And then the main thing is you've got to try and impress uh, these kind of very hoity-toity nobles who are looking for particular combinations of gems that you might have already collected in your set, and that gives you extra victory points towards the end of the game. So the first thing you need to consider when you're, you're packing travel games is obviously the size of the damn thing. Like, if it's got a massive box, it's just not going to work. Because some games, the box is a nightmare, isn't it? Like, there's huge boxes that you get with some board games. Uh, Splendor's pretty compact. It looks the part, which I think is like half of the battle. We talked about that a lot on the uh, Board Game Thing podcast, is that uh, if the game looks good, people are more likely to want to play it. Uh, and Splendor's got that kind of gem. I don't know what it is about gems. What is it about gems? Whether it's actual just cardboard gems, which look good, or any board game that's got little crystal gems in it, I absolutely love. There's just something about it that looks so damn good. Splendor's got that whole thing that's going on there. It, it looks in many ways like uh, Istanbul, if you've played that. That's got that kind of... Um, I don't know, that kind of Middle East gem-type vibe about it as well. Uh, also, I think people really find the whole set collection thing quite straightforward. They know what they're doing. Uh, and you don't want to be on a train trying to play this if it's like, uh, you know, one of those games where people can't get their head around it right from the beginning. So I would hugely recommend Splendor as a game that, only, that not only looks the part, uh, but is incredibly easy to explain to people. And I think just a couple of rounds of that and you'll be like having people playing like you're uh, in Casino Royale. Uh, whether you're sat on an intercity train going up to Edinburgh or you're just even relaxing at home because you've got a couple of weeks off and you just want to chill out. So my first main recommendation for games on the move, travelling games, check out Splendour. It's a little beauty. It's a hidden gem. See what I've done there? Okay, next up in my uh, little list of recommendations for games that you might want to take travelling with you. Again, there's some great suggestions on Zatu's website. I've got to mention the Tiny Epic series. Have you seen the Tiny Epic series? It's an amazing thing. It's just kind of come out of nowhere. I remember the first one popping up. I can't remember which one it was. I think it was maybe Tiny Epic Galaxy. Uh, and then they've just, every year or so, they've just been bringing out a different kind of theme. And uh, they've got all the bases covered. There are so many different tiny epic games. Uh, there's tiny, tiny epic kingdoms, uh, tiny epic tactics, tiny epic quest, which is kind of like got the whole uh, Lord of the Rings kind of vibe going on with it as well. I think the most recent one is tiny epic pirates. The Galaxies one has got a load of expansions as well. Uh, and the reason I wanted to mention uh, this game in terms of good travelling games is this, right? What happened when I packed a load of games to, for us to go up to the Highlands was got the games out, no one wanted to play with me. Literally... <laughs> Not one person. We were there for two weeks and not one member of my own family wanted to play any of the games that I brought with me, which is a little, just, huh, I'm going to be honest with you. You know what it's like when you've got a game you're desperate to play with people and you kind of allude to it, oh, I've got this great new game, where you're kind of sitting there thinking it's four nights into the holiday, people are settled in a little bit, I might just wheel out that game and see if they want to play. And then no one does. And then where do you go from there? That's why I think the Tiny Epic series is a particularly good one because it's got a solo element to it. You know, I'm a huge fan of solo board gaming uh, and, and I've, we've talked about this before on the Board Game Thing podcast. I think it's hugely important for your own mental well-being sometimes to have a little bit of you time. And why should you have to wait for other people to be up for it? 
uh, to be able to play your favourite board games. Why should you put yourself through that stress of hoping everyone's having a good time? Just not even just in board games, in life. You know, that's the worst thing, isn't it? If you're, you, You've spent ages explaining the rules, the game has started, and then, like, Barry from across the road, your mate of your gaming groups, looking at his phone all the time or checking the scores, and you think, concentrate, get yourself immersed, like everyone else's. You know what I mean? I always I find it so disappointing. That's why the Tiny Epic series is an absolute winner as far as I'm concerned. A, you've got all the themes covered. People like pirates, they've got your back. You like space, got your back. You like fantasy, I've got your back. You just like tactics, I've got your back. It's tiny, hence the name. Like, I think it's the size of, like, an envelope, the box. And they're all, they're all the same size, which is great. So you can just put it into, like, if you've got a small hold-all. Even a 1970s... Uh, copper-coloured sports hold-all that you might put ransom money in in a cop movie, that would easily fit in there, no problem at all. And, of course, it's got the solo uh, angle covered, so if none of your family, none of your friends are interested in playing a board game with you, at least you can play with yourself on holiday, and you can't argue with that. So my second recommendation for a great game to take travelling with you is the Tiny Epic series. If you kind of missed the start of this introduction to this podcast episode and you're thinking to yourself, where are the other guys gone? Why is Bush rattling on, on his own? Where's, uh, where's Brian? Where's Eloise? Where's Brian's board game fact of the week? Where's Eloise's bespoke board game character backstory service? It's all going to be happening soon, folks. We are back for season four and we cannot wait to get going. That's a couple of weeks into September. Uh, in, the, in the meantime, seeing as everyone seems to be on holiday at the moment, if you try and get any business done, people have always got out of office going on, I thought I'd just do a little solo recommendation of four or five games you can get on Zatu's website right now that is brilliant for travelling. Portable games, stuff you can stick in the bag, stuff you can explain to people really quickly, but surefire winners. Because it can be a bit stressful, you're thinking, oh my God, what, what games am I going to take? I feel in many ways sometimes when I'm picking a game, I feel a bit like a sommelier, you know? If you might choose a wine that's matched with a food where you've got a certain group of people, you're in a certain location, you've got a certain vibe to the holiday, what games are going to match? Hopefully some of these recommendations might do the trick. Right, I'm going to recommend now a game that uh, my eldest daughter and I have played non-stop since she was a little kid. She's starting to get to that age now, 11 into 12, she's going to be 12 soon, where uh, certain games theme-wise that I pick out, she's like, nah, not interested, not doing that. Anything to do with fantasy, instantly not interested whatsoever. Uh, that's why that kind of hurts a little bit. But I know I can always fall back on not only Sushi Go, but Sushi Roll. She loves her sushi, she loves Japanese culture, she loves manga and anime and all that kind of thing. So I know no matter how, as she gets further and further into teenagedom, uh, my ability to interest her in playing a board game is going to reduce for a little bit. But I'm going to play the long game. I'm sure when she gets a bit older and she won't be so stressed out about stuff being cool, she'll want to play games with her dad again. But I know that I can always fall back on Sushi Go because it looks so damn cool and it's so damn easy and it's the perfect traveling game because there's not that much to it it's dead simple uh the sushi roll which is actually one of my favorites it's like a little uh, even more portable version of it roll the dice each of them's got loads of little symbols of cute little sushi items with faces on who doesn't love cute little sushi with faces uh, and then you pick stuff out put it on your little conveyor belt and then move the move it around and everyone passes their sushi onto the next side. The sushi that they've not used, uh, obviously the ones that you keep, you're going to use towards the end of the game for this set collection element to it. Again, a bit of a theme going on here. Some of the the best 
portable travelling games or games that are easy to explain to people is that I'm collecting X amount of this and it's worth this amount of points. And that information is quite clear to everyone right from the beginning. Uh, but I love the uh, the, um, the way they've created the, the movement of the sushi around the table. You know, you move it to the left and then that person's got to choose from the dice that are left over. Uh, which is in like, you know, it's like being in Sushi Go, which is, or Go Sushi, which is a fantastic thing. Uh, not only that as well, I'm just going to come straight out and, and say it. I absolutely love special themed dice. I love cards and I love dice. Uh, and even since I was a kid, I've always been into like little mini decks of cards. Or I remember I had magic uh, trick cards with like a symbol on the back that you hardly could see, but it could tell you what card that was if you're going to be doing magic tricks. And I've always loved um, like poker dice. I remember having poker dice when I was a kid. And also the whole card thing is spread into like tarot and uh, um, there's a French word for something that's a bit like tarot that I've just started getting into recently called Lormand or Loramond or something like that. It sounds like a brand of cigarettes, but it's kind of like a tarot type thing. But I just love variations on card decks and dice and they've been around since the beginning of time. So uh, the Sushi Go and Sushi Roll in particular, Sushi Roll has got a fantastic uh, set of... Um, uh, these cool dice with little bright, colourful, uh, come-to-life animated sushi characters as well. So I, I think it might appeal to probably like the younger end of the audience as well if you're trying to get people to play a game. The good thing about as well is that it doesn't last that long. It's only like, I don't know, 15-minute game when we play uh, Sushi Go or Sushi Roll. So huge recommendation for this. Both of them are on Zatu's website right now, whichever takes your fancy, the original Sushi Go or the brand-new, more portable Sushi Roll. But two great games to take on the road with you this summer. Another fantastic uh, board game that you can just slide into your uh, suitcase or whatever when you're on your travels is the legendary now Codenames. Uh, Codenames is a really cool, really, really cool uh, game. The reason why I'm fascinated by Codenames is uh, is that it's designed by uh, a, a game designer called, he sounds like a, a vampire, Vlada Shavtal. I've probably absolutely butchered his name and I apologise to Vlada for that because he sounds like uh, he could come at you in the middle of the night. But... He designed one of my favourite board games of all time, Mage Knight. Now, Mage Knight is a really hard, brain-burny, thinky fantasy game where you have this intricate card play and uh, it can actually make your game, uh, your, your brain explode when you're playing the board game. It's so involved, it's so tough, and it's such a, a tough nut to crack in terms of learning the game. There's loads of different levels to Mage Knight. And if you're a slow, solo board game or if you just like deep strategy games or like fantasy games, I hugely advise you to give it a try. Uh, but I couldn't believe it when... This Codenames game, which is like, you know, one of those games that you can just pick up and play dead easy. It's a travel game, for crying out loud. It was designed by him as well, and it shows his versatility uh, as a board game designer. And Codenames is brilliant. It follows the kind of um, lineage of games where you're trying to tell or communicate stuff, but you're not allowed to say what the actual words are, which is like, you know, as old as time has begun in terms of gaming and all that kind of stuff. So if you've played Dixit or whatever, you're trying to send a message to other people, but you've got parameters around what you can say that the the actual theming around it is really cool as well and you know just going back to what i was saying earlier on if you're trying to get people to play your board game that you want to play you want that theme to kind of really reel them in and Codenames is great because you've got this kind of collection of Cold War spies out there doing their espionage stuff. They've all got a brilliant code name, hence the name of the game, each. 
uh, and then a spy master for each team has got a chub have come up with a word that's connected to those code names with a number, which is the number of those code names, and then the team needs to try and guess based on this tiny little scant bit of information that they've got and their ability to communicate with their spy master, which are their agents in the field. And then, you know, you can obviously muck up and accidentally pick innocent bystanders. You've got the assassin hiding in there, like I say, amongst them as well. So, for example, if there was, like, um, a few colour-related names, like um, uh, blue, black, green, and orange, you would say colour four. And they would know that there are four of these things, all related to colour, and they are the code names of your operatives. It's different each time as well because you've got this brilliant card with uh, the different blues and reds on it um, pertaining to the board, which is where your colours are and where the enemy's colours are. So you, you've got a way, if you're the, the, the spy master, that is, of, type of telling your team which way to go. So it's one of those games that, that tests communication. And if maybe you're on a family holiday and you've maybe been at each other's throats a little bit or you've been for like a long walk and... People have ended up having a bit of a fight because dad wanted to go this way and your brother thought, no, I want to go this way into town. And you know what it's like on holiday, do you know what I mean? Sometimes you can get on each other's nerves a little bit. Code names is the perfect way to repair that communication because you've got to work together. Andy Bush here with a recommendation of some great games to take on the move with you this summer. Uh, Board Game Things Series 4 is back a couple of weeks into September, powered by Zatu Games. Can't wait to get back on uh, chatting with you guys. Brian and Eloise are raring to go. Uh, But in the meantime, if you are travelling about, here are some great games you might want to take with you. There's an amazing game made, made by the people who are the specialists at instantly easy to get hold of and start playing board games. The brilliant people at Big Potato Games, uh, they have created a game called OK Play, which, again, me and my eldest daughter play a hell of a lot of. It looks really cool. It's a little bit like... uh, I'm going to be honest here. It's a bit like Connect 4, but there's five. Uh, Connect 4 is... We used to play that on the school bus when I was a kid, just drawing it on, like, a little grid and then colouring it in. So it's like an enduring game even to this day. Uh, And OK Play is brilliant because you've got this kind of... No other way to describe it, that it looks like a key ring of loads of little discs, each one of a different colour. So you can buy them with like, you know, for four players, five players, you've all got your own different colour. And then you just clip these discs off the top, they're actually square, and you place them flat down on the table. And what you've got to do is get five in a row, you're making your own grid up. But there's no um, gravity thing, you know, the, the thing we connect for is that it's got dropped to the bottom and things sit on top of each other. Uh, in OK Play, they can just be anywhere on the table. And what's great about this is it doesn't take up very much space at all. Uh, me and my eldest played it all the way on the train on a little uh, trip we were doing to go and see um, her grandparents, my mum and dad, down in Exmouth in Devon. And it was brilliant, and it made the time completely fly. And do you know the other good thing about it as well? When you clip the things back onto the key ring, A, it looks cool anyway. B, our youngest daughter, Thea, who's probably a little bit too young to understand how OK Play works, she got to play with the key rings and was happy as Larry. So it doubles up as uh, a good distracting toy if you've got a toddler going on as well. Uh, So that would get my vote as a brilliant, easily, instantly recognisable. It's it's a, a universal thing trying to connect these squares up and get five in a row uh, and it works as a brilliant multiplayer game as well so you can play against someone else head to head like you would do with kind of connect four but also if there's three or four of you playing you can then work together to make sure you block off someone who looks like they might be about to win the game so huge recommendation from the lovely people at big potato games that's okay play Right, the final game I want to recommend to you guys for taking on the move uh, is a bit of a weird one. Uh, It's an area of gaming that I wasn't really that aware of and I'd heard about and I thought, nah, I don't know what that is. Uh, And it's this, Roll and Write. 
Roland Wright sounds like uh, an accountant, doesn't it? Or a um, quite a sturdy central defender from a 1970s football team. Roland Wright, fantastic in the air. Well, roll and write uh, pertains to rolling a dice and then writing stuff down. That sounds quite weird, doesn't it? But there are, there's an amazing uh, number of these games that are popping up and they're brilliant for taking on the move. They play great solo because you're just doing your own thing in your own time. Uh, and there's a brilliant uh, game that I want to recommend to you that's definitely worth taking on your travels called uh, Railroad Inc. Challenge. First of all, it's about trains. I don't know what it is. But sometimes when you're trying to convince people to play a board game, trains just seem to work. I don't know what it is about trains and board games that goes so well together. It's like two foods in a sandwich. You think those two things aren't, those two ingredients aren't going to work well together. And they just do. So trains and board games, always a winner. Uh, The Railroading Challenge, beautiful, cute game. One of those games that kind of jumps out on the shelf when you walk into your local game store. It looks the part. You get four dice with uh, little type of uh, engravings on them with different railway bends in the road or turns or chicanes and all that kind of thing. And what you've got to do is roll the dice and then you draw onto, with a marker, an erasable marker, so you can use it again and again and again. You've got to draw onto your little board and score the most amount of points. Going back to what we said earlier, on you can see straight away what combos of points score the most uh, score the most in the game so that's good so you kind of know what's going on straight away you can play against other people you can play on your Todd it's got trains in it so if you're playing on the train this is absolutely absolutely bang on in there in terms of theming which is a great thing uh, and then each time the game's different because you've got these little scoring cards which you flip and each time the combos are worth different amounts there's different incentives but you roll the dice and write it down roll and write see where they get the name from it's that simple. So uh, that would be my little curveball to end things there. A little uh, curveball of something a little bit different. Um, like I say, if, you, if you're, the rest of your family aren't really into playing games and you're sat there and you've got like a six-hour journey up to Glasgow, treat yourself to a little roll and write and see what happens. Let me know how you get on. So there you go, just a little uh, update episode, mainly to let you know that uh, board game thing, we're going to be back for our fourth series, our fourth season, if you're listening from the good old USA, uh, in the second week in September, myself, Brian and Eloise, back mucking about, trying out new board games and broadcasting from a brand new location, which we're very excited to unveil to you very soon as well, which means it means it means we're going to be able to play more games more of the time, because you know, a lot of this uh, podcast has been recorded during deepest, darkest lockdown. It's been tough, man, to get everyone together online to play board games. And I hate playing board games online. I really do. For me, it's all about meeting up face-to-face, which has obviously been incredibly difficult. But hopefully there's a little glimmer of light now that we can start getting back out there and sitting opposite each other and having a pint of beer and playing a game and talking about nonsense, which is what we do best. Uh, So just to recap then, my game recommendations if you are travelling about this summer, squeezing a little holiday uh, before you have to get back to school or work or whatever. Splendor, gorgeous little thing with gems. Uh, tiny epic series, superb games, a, a different theme for every occasion, a real crowd pleaser. And they're so small, those game boxes are brilliant, so compact, such a, a brilliant bit of design. Code names, a classic can work on your whole um, communication with your family members if you've had an argument whilst walking around Lindisfarne or something like that. Uh, OK Play, 
dead easy, dead simple, no rules explanation needed, and a brilliant one to play on the table of a train if you're heading up somewhere. Sushi go and sushi roll. Look very cool. Good way to entice moody, surly teenagers into playing board games. And I just mentioned it there. Uh, my first foray into the world of Roland Wright. Even if it does sound like an accountant, the Railroad Inc. Challenge. All of these games available to buy right now from Zatu's website. Have yourselves a brilliant rest of your summer, and we will see you in a couple of weeks in the middle of September as Series 4 of Board Game Thing, powered by Zatu Games, is back 